Good evening. Uh, happy Election Day. Three, I guess it is. This is three. No, this is four. Right? No, Tuesday. Three. Three. Last check. Still don't have a president yet. That should happen tonight. Hope your guy gets elected. And above all, I hope we all come together as not just Americans who belong to a party Democrat, Republican, Independent, but Americans. We need that, don't we? I think you'll agree. Good program tonight. Mr. College Football will join us shortly. Tony Barnhart talking about what else? Florida Georgia Week. We waited for it all year long. Also, Franz Beard, the Iron Duke, will be here in Ansley Lee. Meanwhile, let's take a quick minute to have a moment of silence, thinking about our country and about our our people in the healthcare business and, of course, the pandemic. Hope your day was good. It's been kind of crazy. If you're like me, I couldn't take my eyes off the TV for a long time, but got a lot of work done. So let's have a show right here, right now. Time for the Buddy Martin Show. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening. It's that week. It's Florida, Georgia. It's time to do it, folks. This is the game we talked about for years. Got a score for me out there? I made my pick today. Uh, I'm thinking about a score. I can't quite get it in my head, but I'm thinking about it. And uh, it's time. I mean, it's time. Recording today for the best Fridays in football, which you'll hear tomorrow. We usually play it uh, just audio only here. But it's also on the podcast. Got a big promotion going on our podcast nationally. And I hope you will tune it in wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the best Fridays in football. Urban Myers podcast. He was very good today. Talked a lot about the timeout game. Remember that? Yeah, we talked about that. He set the record straight on that. We talked about quarterbacks. We talked about Trask. We talked about Dan Mullen, some of his odd behavior and so on and so forth. So that will play tomorrow on the podcast, and tomorrow here afternoon, at some point, we'll put it up on a Friday since there is no Buddy Martin show. That's coming your way. So meanwhile, I want to make sure that we get our guest in tonight. Tony Barnhart joined us earlier. We recorded that. You'll hear his take. First time he hadn't been to Florida Georgia game in 35 years. He, uh, he has a baby and a granddaughter, and he promised his daughter he wouldn't travel this year because of COVID. So Tony will be here. Might want to plug your ears, Gator fans, because I've asked him to retell the famous Run Lindsay story, just to get it on the record. And uh, it's the 40th anniversary. That game meant everything. What do you hear? He tells the story about how what that game meant. But for that play, there wouldn't be a national championship in 1980, and we'd be talking about leather helmet stays for Georgia. So it's a good interview, good comments from him. Coming up after that, Ainsley Lee has got a story on defense. Lost in all this last week was the fact that Florida's defense played much, much better. Some young kids in the secondary in the back end, and uh, we'll get her take on that here a bit. And then, of course, it's Iron Duke week. He wrote his column today, Why I Hate Georgia. Why I Hate Georgia. We've heard that a few times, right? And there are people, like Franz said the other night, talking about his father telling him the stories of uh, how he was there in 1943. I think I got my date right. Uh, and how he saw the Gators lose 
75 to nothing to Georgia that year. That's the that's the worst one of all time. And then after that, of course, was a 51 to nothing in the rain. We had that one going on. So there's reason to be bitter about it. Gator fans have. And uh, so if you want to hate a little bit this week, then have at it. Go ahead. It's okay. Uh, but first, I want to be sure and tell you about our fine sponsor, Jeffrey Meldon, uh, who uh, does so many things in the community uh, and who has been really great about helping this show. We do appreciate that. <clears throat> and we hope that uh, we hope uh, you'll you'll listen to him when he talks about attorneys. And he talked today about uh, stats. All right, so so I'm looking at stats, and one of the things that happens in life, unexpected, of course, are are, are traffic accidents, uh, obviously DUIs, and so on. I read a stat the other day. Says we're all about stats these days. The COVID, there's always a stat there. Looking at football games, there's some interesting stats there. But the number I saw was like almost, well, 680,000 uh, accidents a year. Is that, could that be right? And uh, uh, almost 1,100 a day accidents that go on in Florida. Seems like that's an awful lot. But I know when it happens. Well, no, it, it, you think about it. If you got uh, 20 million people in Florida plus a bunch of visitors, uh, then if there were 680,000 uh, people, that's, you know, about 3% per year. And uh, so, you know, that, that'd be, uh, what, one out of uh, 30 years. So you expect people to be in an accident once every 30 years. Jeffrey, you're asking a writer about stats. I don't know that's the numbers. I do words, not numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Meldon, Meldon Law, or You Matter Most. Thanks for the sponsorship. It's time to go get our friend, Mr. College Football, and see what he had to say today about, well, what else? We still call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Well, it's November, and it's right in the shank of what is now football season. And when you're in football season, there's nobody better to talk to than Mr. College Football, especially on the weekend of what was once called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And maybe it might be one of the world's smallest indoor cocktail parties, but there will be some cocktails consumed for sure. And this man knows he's been to, I don't even know how many games he's been to, Tony Barnhart joins the program, and uh, Tony, sad to say we won't see each other this weekend, but difficult times call for call for difficult decisions. Well, buddy, we've got uh, we've got a new grand grandson at, uh, in our family, and they're just down the road from me. And my daughter asked me not to travel this year uh, because we're trying to take good care of him, and so I'm I'm honoring her wishes because. As, as our good friend Lawrence Smith always says, grandchildren always win, and that is absolutely true. So I will not be – but I will tell you this, just, just in keeping with the tradition and all that, I think you know that I've been going down to Jacksonville for more than 35 mm -hmm. years with three of my fraternity brothers, and we always stay together and play golf and tell lies about our misspent youth. Mm -hmm. uh, they're there. They're in Jacksonville mm -hmm. right now at our condo near the Sawgrass Country Club, and uh, they are there because it's it's Florida-Georgia week, and they're supposed to be there. They, they don't even have to get tickets to the game, but they're supposed to be in Jacksonville <laughs> this week, and that's why they're there. And so uh, the, I said, so I wish I, I, I'm going to talk to them tonight, but but that's the power of the Florida-Georgia game. And, and first of all, you got to be impressed that I said Florida, Georgia. I, I was just going to pick up on that, and it's alphabetical, so let's just settle that right now. <laughs> well, it's out, of respect. it's out of respect for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, there's so many good stories like that. Uh, if you've never been, I have some friends in the media, and one in particular, well, Paul Feinbaum. He really hadn't been to it much until four years ago, and he got educated right. on this a little bit, bring what we taught him, uh, and, and he's getting it now. The camaraderie, like I had good friends who just sold a home on Pontevedra Beach, and uh, they're Auburn graduates, by the way. But I had one year uh, where I went to their house, and we went up and down 
Pontevedra Boulevard there, stopping in at four or five houses, and half of them are Georgia. So there are oh, yeah. gators and bulldogs who do party together. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. The, the, the boys that I always go with, we a couple of really favorite restaurants that we do every year in Ponte Vedra. Uh, and we walked in two years ago, three years ago. The four of us walk in together and sitting there with his wife. Who was it? Augusta National, former player at Georgia, chairman of the uh, Olympics in 1996. He was there. I've known him for years. And uh, saw Billy, said hello, introduced him to my, my boys, and we sat down in our corner. And he came and uh, just left what he was doing, came and sat down with us for about 15 minutes just to talk. Uh, yeah, t- Tony, you cut out you cut right at the time. You cut out right at the time you said his name, and we didn't catch the name, so repeat it. Just repeat it. Oh, mm-hmm. Billy Payne. Billy Payne. Uh, okay, Billy yeah. Payne, we heard of him. player. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Former chairman of Gus National, yep. and uh, he was there. He, he I've known Billy for a long time, and he dropped by and sat with my friends. And uh, but that's, that's the kind of stuff you get to do with the Florida Georgia game. It's special. It is special. <clears throat> Speaking of special, hopefully we got you in a good signal here now. We can hear everything. What uh, I, I wanted to go back. This is kind of story time day. Uh, Urban Meyer uh, on the podcast earlier was talking about the famous timeout game. Um, and uh, maybe as famous, well, it is the most famous play uh, in Florida, Georgia history. Uh, and, and Gator fans hate to even hear it while I say it, but it is, it is Baloo to Lindsey Scott, run Lindsey, and the great Larry Munson on the call. And I didn't know until I read your fine piece on SITMG, see, I got it right, didn't I? Uh, that, there you go. That, that this was the 40th anniversary. Tony, uh, take us through that dark moment for Gator fans and the glorious moment <laughs> for the Georgia Bulldogs. Baloo to Lindsey Scott, run Lindsey. Well, as, as the great late, great Larry Munson would say, get the picture. Georgia was ranked undefeated, ranked number two in the nation. Herschel Walker was a freshman uh, on his way to an incredible season. And so Georgia was going to play Florida in Jacksonville, I think Charlie Pell's second year uh, as head coach. And Georgia jumped out to a 20 to 10 lead, looked like they were in control, but then the Gators came back, got a touchdown, a two point conversion, and a field goal, and they're up 21 to 20 with six minutes left. Suddenly, Georgia realized everything is on the line. Everything's on the line. They, a chance to win the SEC championship, a path to the national championship, it would all be gone if they lost to the Gators. Uh, the two teams exchanged punts. Uh, Gators had a third and eight that if they convert, they run out the clock and win the game because Georgia's using their timeouts. They didn't convert that third and eight, and so Florida chose to punt, punted it out of bounds at the Georgia eight-yard line. First two plays for Georgia, Buck Ballou, uh netted a minus one yard, uh, one-yard loss and an incomplete pass. And on third down, third and uh, – Third and 11, they called a play called left 76. All they were trying to do was get a first down because they have an All-America kicker in uh, Rex Robinson. I talked to Coach Vince Dooley this week. They were just trying to get him in position to kick a long field goal. So they ran what was called left 76 and called for Lindsey Scott to run a curl route and catch the ball for the first down. Well, he ran the curl route. He caught the ball for the first down, but that moment, the Florida defender got tangled up with a Georgia wide receiver. He slipped to the ground. Is that Tim Groves? Scott. Who was it? It was. Mm-hmm. It was. It was Tim Groves. And Lindsey Scott told me, he said, when, I, when the Florida guy slipped down, I looked and there was nothing between me and the goal line except mm-hmm. green grass, and I took off. And it is an iconic scene of Scott running down the sideline. Vince Dooley was trying to run to keep up with him. He said, I kept up with him for about 10 yards. And then Lindsey Scott went into the end zone in a mass of humanity. Uh, Georgia won the game, beat Auburn the next week for the SEC championship, beat Georgia Tech, and then beat Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl for the national championship. It is, it is the single biggest play in Georgia football history because of what it led to. 
and 40 years later we're still talking about it mm. and i had a great visit with lindsey scott and buck blue and, and coach vince dooley this week it was a, it was a lot of fun well it was also the one of the darkest moments in florida history but it was a great moment for the bulldogs and i can understand why you celebrate it's one of the greatest college football plays of all time period and uh that yep. one's uh I don't think I don't believe Buck Belue's bought a drink in Atlanta since then. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, in, in on the call, if I don't know where you get this, probably on the Georgia website, but the great Lauren Smith would know. But uh, I've heard it dozens of times. I'm sure Bulldog fans have heard it hundreds of times. Larry Munson had a call of calls. I don't know if you can replicate any of it. I just remember the part about it. And when you set it up, you have to explain. The Georgia fans come down here a week early to yep. socialize from all the way up in St. Simons to Sea Island, down to, uh, to to Jacksonville Beach, uh, to Ponte Vedra, all through. They just jam those hotels, and they have a good time partying. And that sets up what Larry Munson said when that happened. Well, they're, they're two, and there are two parts to the call. One is the play itself. When uh, Lindsey Scott starts running, Munson starts counting it down, you know, you know, down to the 30, the 40, the 45, the 50, and about the 40-yard line of Florida where Munson just blurts out, run, Lindsey. <laughs> and he just said, he says, run, Lindsey. And he counts it down. When he gets to the very end, 10-5, and he never says touchdown. He just says, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott. He's screaming. Then what happened is, is priceless. And I went back and, and, and watched the entire sequence. Of, I watched the entire last five or six minutes of the game. And here's what, here's what happened, is that when, when Munson says, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, he then took his arms and cast them out wide in the radio booth. And that was his signal for everybody in the booth to shut up and let the crowd tell the story. And I went back and listened to it and timed it. And for a full 40 seconds, there was nothing but crowd noise, which was just incredibly loud. And once the 40 seconds passed, Larry Munson's color analyst, Phil Schaefer, broke the silence and said, Larry, if you wanted a miracle, we just got one. And they explained the play. But here's the thing that you're talking about, buddy. When it, uh, when they got to the end, Larry Munson said, at the end of the call, he said, do you realize what is going to happen up here tonight and in St. Simons and Jekyll Island where all these dog people have got these condominiums for four days? Man, is there going to be some property destroyed tonight? <laughs> and that you can find that on the back of T-shirts to this day. That's fabulous. And by the way, just coincidentally, when they asked about the miracle, the guy calling the game had a call about a miracle too, didn't he? <laughs> about that, yes. Yeah. Yes, a lot of people don't, people assume that the great Keith Jackson called that game mm-hmm. because he called every big game in the South you can imagine. But it was Al Michaels, 35-year-old Al Michaels, who the February before – coined the immortal phrase, do you believe in miracles? Yes. At Lake Placid when the USA beat the, uh, uh, beat the Russians 4-3 to three in hockey. Al, Al Michaels was 35 years old. He was there with Frank Burles. Frank Burles was co- the color analyst. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't remember that. Was fortunate enough to be there myself that night in Lake Placid. But anyway, I didn't hear the call until later. Uh, so, Tony, this is a great story time stuff, and I love doing this with you. But we've got a ball game to talk about, and this is a huge game. Uh, just talking to Coach Meyer today, we agreed. This is Urban Urban says. He says this is Dan Mullen's biggest game ever. We talked about narrowing the gap. <clears throat> Here we are. It's, I think, a three-point game uh, on, the, on the line. Uh, we know the story of Georgia's really uh, imposing defense. We know Stetson Bennett's inexperience. We know about some of the great talent Georgia's got. We know about, obviously, Kyle Trask on a tear. We know about some of the receivers, obviously, Kyle Pitts being the first-round Jeff choice. And we know about Florida's defense, which got a little better last week against Missouri. So it sets up, interestingly, 
Tell me how you break it down. Well, if you look at it logically, uh, there I don't see a path for Georgia to win the game uh, simply because their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, has, has really struggled. Uh, Kyle Trask simply gets better every single week. I think the two things, the matchup with Kyle Pitts, but what impressed me last week, it looks like Kadarius Toney is finally becoming what we yep. all kind of hoped he would be uh, and looked very impressive last week. And then you figure out that, you know, Georgia was counting on Richard LeCount, their All-American safety, to help with Kadarius Toney, to help with Kyle Pitts, to be a big part of that. Well, he's out. He was in a dirt bike accident when they got back from the Kentucky game, and he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to fully recover, but he's lost for the season in football. And so you put it all together, and the fact that this is such a big game for Florida, Georgia's won three in a row, and, and I'm sure some Gator fans are saying this is, this is our best opportunity to beat Georgia. So I don't, I'm not going to make my pick until tomorrow. Uh, that's what my employer asked me to do. But uh, it's hard for me to see a logical way uh, a logical way that uh, Florida is not going to win this game. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they, uh, I think you look now, but buddy, you and I both know we have we have come to this game many times and seen things we do not expect. Things, you know, I, I had one Georgia coach tell me one time. He said, "I never have a feel for this game until I cross the river. When I cross the river is when I finally figure out kind of where we are." So it'll. It'll be it'll be one. I I think it's going to be a classic game. I really do. Expect the unexpected. Lindsey Scott being one of those. I remember a year when the holder, Bobby Etter, on the extra point of Florida was ahead by a point. Uh, Vince went for the for the tie. The holder fumbled the ball, picked it up, and ran it in for two points. And Georgia won the game. So those kinds of things tend to happen. And. Uh, even without Tony Barnhart and Buddy Martin, I suspect be in there. I suspect there'll be some things that we don't expect that will happen. Yes, yeah, and I think uh, I think there will. And you know, Georgia's got a bunch of guys banged up on defense, but to their mm-hmm. credit, they've got they've got a very talented roster. So let's let's see let's see how well they've recruited uh, when, when some of those second second line guys have got to move up. Great point, and, and of course you hope there's no COVID. Right, so far Florida's escaped oh, it. Please. Hopefully Georgia's escaped no. it. So we're not going to have how many fans we're going to have? About twenty thousand? Is that what they're saying? Just under just under twenty thousand. Yeah. Each school got about nine thousand tickets. Yeah. Each. Well, there may not be any property destroyed, but there's going to be some things. A few adult beverages consumed there for those who are there, like your friends who are not going to the yep. game, but they're going to the party. They're going to the party. That's exactly right. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, always a good time to be with you, Tony. Thanks so much. Okay, buddy. Take care. Okay, it's uh, set up, uh, all set to go. And uh, Tony Barnhart there, appreciate that. That would be, that's the Crown Prince calling. Crown Prince calling in now while we're on the air. Uh, Hello, Brendan. How are you? Hello, Dad. <clears throat> Just got through talking to Tony Barnhart, and was uh, we got coming up Ainsley Lee, uh, and uh, you going to join us tonight? Uh, no, no. Okay. All right, you're returning my call, right? Returning your call about the podcast, sir. All right. Well, uh, so, it's all there, and call me after the show. Let's talk about it. All right. All right. Have a good show. Thank you, Brendan. All right. Brendan Martin there on. Can't get him on the show. He's too busy. Got stuff going on chalk here at night. So let's see if we can get a hold of Ainsley uh, and catch up to her. And then we got the Iron Duke standing by. Iron Duke is no doubt stoked. As you know, this is his his week to get angry and mad at the Bulldogs. Let's see if we can get Ainsley to pick up. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. This would be Ainsley. She did pick up. I had lost a dollar. That it. Hi, Ainsley. How are you? You're in California, I hear. Yeah, I am. I am uh, visiting some family. Uh, who live out in the Air Force base here. Um, <clears throat> my uncle's in the Air Force, and he'll be retired here. And gosh, like three months, I think. So wanted to pay them one more visit before they move back to Florida. We 
like I said, like to take advantage of where they're stationed uh, from time to time and pay them some visits. So there you go. Well, I mean, um, think about it is is that uh, you know they come to expect nieces and nephews freeloading, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, they uh, <laughs> whenever I graduated high school, they were um, they were visiting some other military friends of theirs that uh, were in Italy, and I met them in Italy. Um, and that was kind of my graduation present to kind of do this little tour of Europe. So now I'm doing a little tour of California. Um, what part are you in? So I'm in Northern California. Um, flew into Sacramento mm-hmm. and uh, about 40. I'm right now the, the airport space is about 45 minutes okay. uh, from Sacramento. California is my favorite uh, place. North California, Northern California is my favorite place up that way. So, so, but you're checking in on everything. You got a story on uh, this week's uh, Gator Bait, um, and uh, I've just got mine written. I just wrote about Kyle Trask in the moment. I saw a great stat today. I put it in my story. I stole it from Scott Carter. He said the stat was I want to get it right. I guess Kyle Trask has got. 44 touchdowns, and yardage is 4,444. Wow. How's that for symmetrical numbers there? I mean, that's that's bizarre. So I'm thinking he throws – and he's thrown four touchdown passes four straight games. So yeah. if you're into numerology, that's a pretty good one, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Question is, can you do it now? In a conversation with Urban Meyer today, we had our podcast, and we we talked about becoming an elite quarterback, and Urban's held out on that one and says, you know, he's got to win. So today I asked him if he if Trask goes out and <clears throat> throws a couple touchdown passes and they beat Georgia, did you make your elite list? He said, absolutely. He says about winning. And, shoot, um, I mean – you couldn't ask much more from a guy. I wrote tonight that there should be a statue, not really, but sort of, of uh, next man up in Gainesville. And Kyle Trask's name should be on it. Because that he has had the ultimate next man up story. If you go back and relive it from last year, I looked up today that since he came in at the, that Kentucky game, on September the 14th, and now he's 11-3. and three. Um, And by the way, against pretty good teams. <laughs> and he got his 40, he got his four touchdowns, four straight weeks from all SEC teams. So, you know, he's still under the radar a lot of places. And uh, he's, uh, he's low-key. I mean, he's about as low-key as you can get. Uh, right. I mean, uh, somebody wrote today, was, was it Cassidy, that is, you know, his heartbeat's probably five, you know, so very cool. So, anyway, tell me about the defense. we got about uh, seven, eight minutes here. I'm going to be sure I get it in. Your story, I haven't had a chance to read anything yet. Tell me about the defense and what you wrote about. Yeah, so I think, um, obviously, if you've got eyes in your head, you saw how much defense looked improved um, against Missouri. And, you know, it was it – was, I, I remember waking up on Saturday morning, um, last Saturday, and saying to my dad, I said, Dad, I think I might have Florida on upset alert a little bit. Um, you know, coming off of this hangover of Texas A&M, two weeks off, and then you, you hear the news about all the defensive starters are going to be out. And, you know, not only the defensive starters, but about eight guys on the defense, period. And I, I told my dad, I said, I don't know how this is going to turn out tonight. Um, and... So I think what was interesting is you lost eight guys on defense, um, you know, due to whether it be that COVID outbreak or, or what have you. Obviously, they can't tell us um, that reasoning. But uh, um, but you get Kyrie Campbell back. And so it's like you lose eight, but you gain one. Um, you know, you're, you're still netting negative seven. Um, but it didn't end up being that way. Um, you know, I wrote about a lot this week about, you know, the return of Kyrie Campbell was huge to that lineup, not only because he's a really big guy there at the nose tackle right there in the center of the field, but it allowed everybody else to kind of move back into their typical um, positions. So you had T.J. Slayton filling that void, and he's, he's been great, don't get me wrong, but he's also like a three-down 
you know, he's a three-down defensive guy right that, you know, before Kyrie got back. So he's tired. He's getting tired. He's getting beat up there in the middle. Um, now that you have two of them, you can kind of rotate them in and out. Britton Cox gets to move back into an outside linebacker position versus a defensive end. Yeah, he's, and, out, of um, posi- he's out of position. He, he gets, you right. know, he, he's not a brute force guy. He's a rush in. Yeah, and then, I mean, you've got Zachary Carter playing, you know, defensive tackle versus a defensive end. Um, you well, know, he's out for the first that, half anyway, you know. Yeah, he's out in the first half, yes. Um, but, I mean, in those first three games, he was playing in the position where he'd never played before. Yeah. Um, and so just getting Tyree Campbell back kind of was able to, you know, stabilize um, that defense a little bit and get him back to some normal speed. Um, obviously, the secondary was missing a couple of guys um, last week. But, you know, those young guys and, and Jaden Hill and um, Torrance. And John Torrance, I mean, they they did all right. Uh, I mean, they did. you know, I've been pretty critical of Marco Wilson this year. And I think right now you've got to wonder how much of the field did Marco see, this you know, this coming Saturday. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I don't know what this guy's going through, and I, I hate to be that person, but it seems like the secondary kind of fared better without him. Granted, it was – maybe not as an explosive an offense as, say, Ole Miss or Texas A&M. But, um, so it'll be, I'm going to be I'm, – I'm interested to see what kind of play time Marco gets, assuming that he's even available on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're on to something. I think a lot of Gator fans feel this way about it. I've said it all season, not vocally. I don't like to criticize too harshly. But it seems like sometimes Marco's out of position. He doesn't make the big stops. He's not getting any picks. I don't think he's got one this year. Um, he, I don't know. And it, it, it seems like they're better without him in there. Now, I think he deserves to be in there. He's a good player, but I think he's played too many positions. You know? I think he needs to go back to whatever he's playing, star or whatever, and play it. But um, anyway, you're right. The young players really look good. They brought enthusiasm. Uh, they lost a couple of – they lost Trey Dean, didn't they? He was on crutches. I'm not sure his situation, but that's a big loss. But And the linebacker play is getting a little better. I finally got to see Jeremiah Moon make some plays, which, you know, which looked better. He, he, yeah, he, he looked pretty good on Saturday. Um, like I said, it just seemed like the defense had flipped a switch totally. Um, and, you know, does it all ride on, you know, the presence of Fiery Campbell? I don't think so. Can't be That can't be all of it. But, you know, Todd Grantham was certainly able to kind of put together a puzzle that fit a lot better than what it did in, um, you know, week one, if, one, two, and three, if you will. And then, um, you know, I don't know what they did during that little two-week hiatus, um, if anything, or if it's literally just, you know, that veteran nose tackle being back. Oh, I know what Kyle Trask did. He threw a pass to his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. The softball player. <clears throat> yeah, Dave Carraway, yeah. yeah. And then I I heard that uh, the broadcast kind of got under fire for something they had said about her, but um, I haven't actually listened to that. But, um, uh, yeah, I know I know the broadcast on Saturday was kind of put under put under the heat for something they had said what? Um, about Dave Carraway. You, you mean uh, not, not Mick or Lee? No, 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 no. I believe it was SEC's D. It was the SEC Network's broadcast. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> I listen to them. Uh, I usually listen to Mick. I, I clicked it on them back. I, and I really uh, went in not expecting to, to like it. It was Hudson Mason, is that who it was, the color guy? Uh, and, you know, of course, you interviewed the play-by-play guy, right? <clears throat> yep. And he's a Florida graduate. Tell folks what he had to say. Yeah, talking to Mike. Um, Mike Morgan. It was fun. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Morgan, yeah. It was fun, uh, you know, talking to somebody who had, you know, graduated from the School of Journalism there. Um, you know, as a senior, I'm always looking for those networking opportunities, so it was great to talk, about, or talk to him. Um, but, I mean, he was a guy that was excited to be back. Um, he thought really highly of Missouri, I'll tell you that much. He even said, um, you know, I see, I see some Spurrier in Eli Drinkwitz. Um, and this is a guy who, during his time at Florida, you know, he was he came in right when Spurrier did, and so he got to cover that firestorm and all that good stuff. Um, but, no, I mean, we just kind of, you know, we spent some time reflecting on his time, um, 
there at US and in Gainesville and how much he loves going to, uh, you know, Sundays, I guess, is his go-to spot um, just because where he's at, I think in Atlanta is where he's at now. Um, they don't have those. And so he always uh, pays Mr. Tillman a visit uh, hmm. whenever he's in Gainesville. Hmm. All right, we got 30 seconds. Give me a summary of what you think is going to happen in the ball game at the world's largest you-know-what. Yeah, it's not going to be the largest, and there's not going to be cocktails this year, I guess. But uh, Oh, there'll be cocktails. There won't be in the stadium. But there'll there, be cocktails. Yeah, there will be, just not, not nearly as many, yeah. I think. Or maybe there will be, and then we're going to have some issues if there's, you know, we're still meeting those numbers. But uh, um, I think it's going to come down to, I think it's going to come down to Florida's offense and Georgia's defense being on the field. And it's just whether Georgia's defense is going to have a mental lapse and, you know, kind of blow a coverage or turnover. I think I think that's really what's going to boil down to. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think the likelihood of Georgia having a mental lapse and kind of blowing uh, an assignment is more likely. Um, you know, we haven't seen Kyle Trask throw a ton of interceptions. Um, of course, we have seen a couple of fumbles um, that have come at really crucial moments, so hopefully history doesn't repeat itself there if you're a Gator. But um, I think it's going to come right down to it, as we saw last year. Um, but really going to have – it's going to happen. It's going to happen when Georgia's defense and Florida's offense is on the field. Miss Ainsley Lee, come home. Enjoy your time out in California. Yes, sir. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Ainsley. Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you about my friends over at Red Star Medical Research. We'll call the Iron Duke and get him started. Because, you know, he gets cranky if you don't call him right away. If you're late calling him, you have to, you know. Kiss up to him and make sure he's okay. So, you know the folks here at Winstar Medical Research. We talk about them all the time. Have for years. They're good people and they do some really good things. And not the least of which, it's always good to have a first-class medical facility during these times. And Winstar Medical Research has one, Superior Medical Research Service. And they, they, they do things in the community that not anybody else does. I mean, they... Uh, they have a free memory evaluation for you. If you can qualify, you probably can if you have a concern. Uh, they have uh, give you a, uh, an exam. If you're experiencing memory symptoms, regardless of whether you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia, you could be eligible for enrolling in a clinical research study. They have several over there. You can call them at 352-629-5800 and ask about them. Um, and you might want to know more about participating in some of Renstar's cutting-edge clinical trials, where they uh, obviously uh, find out things, some you know about what uh, what's what. And you can find out something about yourself. It's good people. It's a good thing to be involved in. Call them at three five two sixty nine fifty eight hundred. Renstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Well, it's time for the Iron Duke, and last time I talked to him, he was raring to go. I think he was eating bulldog meat. I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure he's got it some. And he's, uh, he's, uh, I know he's got his mat on for the Georgia Bulldogs, so uh, i just going to turn on the microphone and let him talk. Evening, friends. Good evening. Uh, how I feel about Georgia doesn't change from day to day or week to week, even though it is mm-hmm. Florida-Georgia week. Mm-hmm. I know that. Well, I got to tell you one thing. If by chance you accidentally turn on the podcast tomorrow, Best Fridays in Football, I suggest you cover up your ears on Tony Barnhart, okay? Because he relives 40 years ago and run Lindsay. By the way, it's not run Lindsay, run. It's run Lindsay. That's how you said it. And uh, yeah, I know it's. Uh, we started breaking that game down and doing a little bit of anatomy of it, friends. I know you know it. And I had not forgotten about this. But for that play with how many ever seconds it was, I don't know, 38, whatever it was, Georgia doesn't win the national championship. No. And and quite frankly, if, if a zebra who's standing right there, and you can watch it on film, makes the call. I mean, it was five feet in front of him. I mean, there was a very obvious clip on the play. And if the if the zebra throws the flag right there, there is no run, Lindsay. It's just 15 yards. It, it's everybody in Georgia gets excited and then they get flagged and it's half the distance to the goal. 
Well, Tony and I were talking about this, and you know, and I mentioned that your grandfather was there for the 75 nothing game. I think you said 1942. My dad was. Your dad was, I mean, yeah. I mentioned that in the podcast and the 51 nothing game and all that. And, 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 and so many unexpected things seem to happen in that game. Uh, Urban is very good today on the podcast. You'll hear it tomorrow talking about the, uh, the timeouts. <clears throat> um, I asked him how he felt. He said it felt really good. He said, I don't know when I've been as mad as I was the year before when they ran people on the field. <clears throat> he was really mad about it. And it took him a whole year. And he said people kept asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he told his team, not to say, don't say anything about revenge. Don't say anything. We'll do something. And I kept waiting for him to tell me what it was going to be because I was doing that book with him. You know, He never told me. <clears throat> you know why? He didn't know. Well, I, I know one thing. Uh, he had a habit of, of whacking me on the butt with his Gatorade bottle uh, after after uh, practice press. You know, when he meet with the with the media or when he's walking out after ball games, he he had this habit of whacking me on the butt, and he he whacked me on the butt that day. He liked that, <laughs> and he knew I loved it. Um, I, you know, I, that didn't I, sound right, friends. You better rephrase that. Uh, <laughs> what Urban Urban said? How did I like that? Because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all he said. He whacked me on the butt with his Gatorade bottle. Yeah. But how you? But how you, you know, like somebody's that? gonna make something out of that. They always on the internet. They always do now. You know, okay. I'm just kidding. I, I, I mean, I, you know. I, I, I'm despised in uh, the internet has made me a despised. No, person. you're not despised. Oh, yes, I am. But you're much beloved here, man. You're much beloved here. And well, by the way, uh, people despise me, and I think that's a bad Well, they despise me too, but you know, uh, despise me too in Georgia. Every time I go on Five Bomb, they want to know who that country hick was down there in Ocala talking about the Gators. Uh, <clears throat> so, so the thing I think in that particular game, you know, and the game the uh, I'm talking about uh, <clears throat> the game that uh, Urban did the payback on the, the timeout game, the famous Woody Hayes quote, which he invoked later off the record. Um, somebody said, uh, "You called two timeouts," and he said, "Yeah, I'd have called more if I had them." Well, Mark Rick, Mark Rick's comment after the game was, "You're allowed three timeouts a half." He used all three of them. Nothing illegal about that. Yeah. And and the thing about it is, is you remember because we were at uh, SEC Media Days together, and you remember, um, I wrote the column after Mark Rick came up there and says, and you know they he he gets asked a question about it and he says. I watched them walk out on the field and I looked at my coaches and I said, what do you think they're doing? And I, and, and my com, my comment, my column was entitled, Mark Rick, your nose is growing. And, uh, I lit up radio row. I blew out a switchboard on one, on, uh, uh, Rachel Barabo's, uh, radio show. <laughs> Um, I, w I was I was the guest of honor up and down Radio Row for two days after that. Um, Lighten them up. And I mean, look, Mark. You know, Mark Rick. I know is an as a decent guy, but he lied his ass off that day, and lied his ass off after the game against Florida when he said I had no idea they were going to do that. Here's how you know that was rehearsed. Here's how you know that was no spontaneous uh, celebration, but something that had been rehearsed all week long because they came out there specifically taunting the Gators and coming like face to face with them, right in the face of players. And you can see it on the video of that. And it's, a, it's an effort to provoke Florida to, take a, to, to start some shoving. And here's why. They knew they were going to get a, they were going to get unsportsmanlike conduct in the 15 yard penalty, and if Florida had retaliated, the penalties would have offset. Mm -hmm. And of course, it got the you know 
the Georgia fan base got all fired up. And a week before, the, you know, the week heading up to that game, the Georgia fan base was ready to fire Mark Rick because he had gotten absolutely clobbered by uh, Tennessee. He had lost to, to South Carolina and Steve Spurrier. I mean, that was the first, that was the first really big win uh, for Spurrier, I would say, in his uh, tenure in South Carolina. I mean, he was there in 2005. He had some good wins there, including one over Florida. And he had a couple good wins in 2006, but 2007 was his first, that was his first real signature win at South Carolina. Uh, and he beat Georgia to do it. And the, the, the Poodle fan base was absolutely livid. They were ready to fire their coach. And had he lost to Florida, I can almost assure you that he would not have been retained at the end of that season, no matter how well they did. Of course, they end up, they won the rest of their ball games. Um, they finished with what they call one of their famous near national championships. They've had a few of those since 1980. Uh, haven't ever won the big one, though, have they? Uh, Florida's won three since then. LSU's won three since then. Alabama's won, what, 18 since then? Tennessee's won one since then. Auburn's won one since then. I think everybody but Vanderbilt just about in the SEC's won one, except Georgia. I'm being a little facetious. Uh, you're being a little nasty, friends, but I love it. Nasty? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I, I mean. Here's what I loved about, about, let me hold on to one thing. I love the discipline the Gators showed that game not to retaliate. Mm. I really loved it because had they retaliated, that could have turned into one of the really ugly incidents and, and that would have done no good for either team, for the SEC or college football in general. Florida showed tremendous restraint. Here's the other reason why we know that that was sp not spontaneous and it was staged and rehearsed. Because what happens when a team starts leaving the sideline? What do coaches do? What do you see coaches doing? Usually grab them. They, they're grabbing players. They're trying to get in the way of players. They're trying to get in the middle of things. What did the Georgia coaches do? They sat there, and you and I were sitting side by side looking at them. There was a very smug look on their face like, <laughs> look at this. Oh, come on. Well, there's a there's a rumor, un, un, unproven rumor that that uh, that was set up by no less than Vince Dooley's people because he was too nice a guy, uh, and they needed to do something nasty, you know. Uh, and, and so this is out of character for Rick, and so they ran on the field. Urban Marvel today, why they said there, I don't know how we didn't have a fight. He says you know, he said he said there, he said there should have been a fight, you know, really. You won't go out there and do that to people like that. And, of course, uh, you know, having just happened as it did this past week, uh, you don't want to fight. Uh, I thought of a phrase today, friends, as I put up the cover, by the way, for the magazine. A phrase, you remember, there's no crying in baseball? Remember? <laughs> there's no fighting in football. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. No, there isn't. But, you know, buddy, one of the things about that incident was it really helped the Gators win the 2008 National Championship. They came into that game. Urban had played that video once or twice a week before the season began. Then starts playing it with more and more frequency. Never forget Brandon Spikes telling me after the game, he says, you know what I like about that? I said, what do you like about that, Brandon? He said, I don't have to watch that damn video no more. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how many times have you seen it? He said, oh, about 15,000 this week alone. And it, it, that, that video. Well, you know why? Because the Marino that year wrestled like 275 <clears throat> and, and Mick. Um, Mariani and, and Urban got together and they put 275 on everywhere. 
to remind the defense. They got sick of hearing about it. They put it in a weight room. They put it in a workout room. They, they kept taunting the defense with that figure. So what happened on the first play, friends? Second play. First play was a three-yard pass out, out in the flat in which Joe Hayden, uh, Joe Hayden came up and just knocked the knees out from Marino. Second play, they, they, run, uh, they run a little delay on the right side. Brandon Spikes fills the hole and absolutely depleted him. One of the hardest, cleanest hits. Face mask in the chest. Marino's feet went over his head, and he went down, boom, like that. Flattened him and laid on top of him. Uh, and, and laid on top of him. And Brandon never would tell me what he said to him. But I, I asked him, I said, what did you say to him? He said, censored. <laughs> can I, I can, can imagine. imagine. Yeah. Hey, look, I, I want to just switch real fast on the game coming up because I want to make sure we get your prognosis in. I know you wrote a column earlier in the week on uh, on on on, on uh, Kyle Trask. Mine is on this cover here, but says uh, the moment Kyle Trask has been waiting for. Can the next man up do it? And I said today earlier, if there's ever an anonymous tro- uh, statue made in Gainesville, there should be a next man up statue, and the model should be Kyle Trask. Because his story and what he did, we've talked about it a bunch, where he came from and what he's done now since that time on September 14th when he saw his buddy Felipe Franks go down, stepped up and won that game. He has been one of the great comeback stories. The problem is he didn't, he, he wasn't there, so he can't really come back. So it wasn't a comeback as much as it was just a step up. And uh, you talk about coaches who want to see a guy be ready when called upon, Kyle Trask was ready when called upon. Yes, he was. And um, absolutely an, an amazing story. Um, the likes of which we may never see again because this transfer portal is, is the transfer portal is changing everything. Um, and we're going to have that one-time shot at leaving without uh, having to sit a, sit a year. And that's coming. That will be approved in January. Everybody, and, and I think that's a good thing. I, I know a lot of people don't. It's going to change how we recruit because you're going to have to leave spots open for the transfer portal. Uh, you're going to have to leave spots open for guys who transfer in. You're already got players who are because of the grad transfer rule, you, every coach is all is already leaving one or two spots open for grad transfers. But now we're going to be faced with with leaving more spots open because of that. Um, this is what's so remarkable about Kyle is he stuck it out and he had no intention of ever transferring. Um, he was he was the most supportive guy of Felipe. Uh, worked with him, with, you know, as you said, they were buddies, and worked with with him every single day, and worked hard to be ready to be that next man up, and when his time came, he did it well, but was not going to transfer, even if Felipe had that had a great season last year and had come back this year, was not going to transfer. So we may be seeing the last of guys like that. You know, he might be the last great player who will do something like that um, because the, the, how we how players view their future is going to change uh, exponentially come January, yeah. and we may never see a situation like that again. Probably not. Well, what do you think of the game? What do you like? We we go through the same old lines. You know, we know what the run game is about. We know about the receivers. We know mm-hmm. about Georgia. We know about uh, Stetson Bennett. We know about all that. Um, I got my theory, and I got my pick. You got your theory, and you got your pick? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, my theory is is that this is the game that Florida has been waiting for. And I know there's a lot of people out there, buddy, who are going to say, 
Well, if Georgia didn't, ha you know, if Florida went, if and when Florida wins this game, you're going to have Georgia apologists. Well, if Georgia had just had Dewey and Rochester and, and you know, uh, they'd had all the other guys that were missing, Richard LeConte, etc., like that, it would have been a different story. Well, okay, if frogs had wings, they wouldn't bump their butts every time they jumped. You know, uh, fact of the matter is, you you know, you it's kind of like Florida a year ago at Kentucky. It's next man up, and if the next man up can't get it done, that's on you. That's not on that's not on your injuries. That's on you, because you didn't have your guys ready to go. Uh, Florida could have lost last week to week to Missouri, and everybody would have blamed it on on uh, the virus. But let's face it. Florida's next man up worked, and I think Florida's ready. I think Florida is seriously ready for this game, and I, and I would have liked the Gators in this game even without Georgia's injuries. I would have liked the Gators. I think they're going to win. I think we're going to see a turning point in the SEC East that Georgia has dominated all too well too much the last three years, and I think uh, I think Georgia is not going to be the prohibitive favorite that they've been in, in the years to come because I think Florida is going to I think Florida is going to put an end to that. Uh, Georgia is going to be competitive for sure. Georgia is going to be in the mix for sure, but they're not going to be the sure thing ever again. Lauren Meadows says you're stealing uh, his dad's quotes about frogs. <laughs> well, I I have more respect for frogs than I do Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Is there ever going to be a changing of the guard? Yeah. We know this is not Florida's best team ever. We know that they're not as good as any of the Urban National Championship or the 96 Burger team. But they're getting there and they're closing ground. And this is the message we've been sending now for, you know, um, to them. They're coming. What I like about it is the matchups. Because Georgia's not that great enough. They got some good running backs now. If Florida can shut that down. I'm a little worried about the linebackers. I did see a little better play out of them. I mean, Miller's been playing terrific. Uh, uh, they've got to have a little bit better play in the linebacker. And now they got Kyrie Campbell back. And, and, and of course, uh, the issue is that they've lost uh, their other guy for the, you know, for, for the first half. So I think what they got was, uh, was a much needed boost edge, as we said the other night. I think they're kind of more together. The players are talking about it. I noticed that, uh, uh, who was it? Trayvon Grimes said, you're not supposed to touch, touch our quarterback. You know, so that has kind of bonded them a little bit, and uh, they get kind of a, a little bit of a mean streak in them. Uh, I have no doubt that Kyle Trask will throw on them. The only way he wouldn't is they have they had jailbreak blitzes every time and Florida couldn't protect. He'll throw them. And I think they'll run the ball a little bit. I don't know. They're outmanned by the defensive front four of uh, and the front seven of Georgia. I like Florida's defensive chances now against Stetson Bennett. I don't know how much they can hold the running game down. So something keeps telling me, and maybe it's just my own personal prejudice, that there's a big game in here. And it wouldn't totally shock me. I know we say this a lot. I didn't pick them last year. It wouldn't totally shock them to see me to see Florida win by double digits. Um, here's George is going to be missing both their defensive tackles. They're going to be missing their best player in the secondary. Richard LeConte is more than just a safety. He's that guy that was like a mod black was in Florida's secondary, uh, back when a mod black and major right were the safeties. He's the guy that kept everybody in the secondary in got him in the he was the traffic cop that got everybody in the right place and Laconte was was that. The two defensive tackles, that's that's absolutely huge. Florida's given up four sacks 
in four ball games. That's it. That offensive line is vastly superior than it was last year. Last year, Florida did an adequate job of protecting Trask through for 257 yards on Georgia. Um, the only thing that kept him from throwing for more is the fact that the Gators couldn't get off the field defensively. Georgia had a lot of long, Georgia had a lot of sustaining drives that even though they may not have scored except on four of their drives, they had a lot of plays, with, a lot of times when they'd be two or three first downs before they had to punt. Um, Florida couldn't get off the field last year. I think Florida's going to get off the field this year. Um, I think Florida's going to dare Stetson Bennett to throw, and I think the Florida defensive backs, from what I saw last week, I think Florida's defensive backs are going to be as are going to be good to the task. The key to me is going to be: can we get a pass rush? If we get a pass rush, Florida will win this football game. And I'm not convinced that Georgia is that good pass blocking particularly after what I saw Alabama do. And even if they do, Alabama just got their hands up and they knocked down, what, five passes in the second half that Stetson Bennett threw. They list him at 5'11". That's generous. He may be more like 5'9 and a half, 5'10". Mm-hmm. I think 5'11 in his cleats. And fortunately, most guys do play in their cleats. But... Uh, I don't think he's I, I don't think he's the answer for them and I think they know it. Now, question is gonna be if he comes out cold or comes out ineffective, will they bring in another quarterback? Yeah. And will that new quarterback so give them a spark? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what, buddy? They haven't played him a single snap. So yeah, I wouldn't. Far. I wouldn't think so. They might put it in for and, and if put he it was for any, snap. If he was starting, ready yeah. to go, mm-hmm. he would have played. It's yeah. like last week against Kentucky. Yeah. That was a fourteen to three game, but Georgia was never out of control of that ball game because Kentucky couldn't move the football at all. Well, if he, if he was going to play, they would have played him last week because you're not going to put him out there against yeah. Florida cold. Okay, here's the deal. I'm on my. 16th hour of the day, I'm getting weary, but I want to say that what I'm hearing from people, our people are saying, there's going to be some Georgia Bulldogs missing. Uh, people are, or some of our better, more astute people, like, well, about uh, Dan Bond, Lynn Tindall, they're saying they heard uh, that uh, there might be as many as eight starters out. I don't know, that sounds awfully high. I do know that Florida had their COVID report yesterday, and they had no new cases. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean they can't get some. They have to be tested again. What today was it, right? They have to be tested yeah. on Thursday. So, uh, so that's going to be a big factor. Uh, um, I don't know about JT Daniels if he'll show up or not. Apparently, he was cleared by the doctor yesterday, according to Lynn. So we'll see. And if they don't get, if they get behind and aren't moving the ball with uh, Stetson Bennett, we will see. We will see Daniels. I think. Well, it'll be interesting because he was cleared a while back. Mm-hmm. He was he was cleared he was cleared after the second game of the season, oh. and um, they hasn't played. Uh, you know, not even a single snap. So maybe they were saving him. <clears throat> well, you know, when you got the issues that they've shown, particularly in the last two ball games, Stetson Bennett's thrown five picks. In the last two weeks, yeah. In the last two ball games, yep. He's had ten passes knocked down in the la- at the line of scrimmage. Tell you what, they, they got they've got problem. Yep. This week, this week, Bennett has worked with the ones. Dewan Mathis has worked with the twos, and J.T. Daniels has been working with the scout team. There you go. Well, didn't, you know? didn't sound like it. Yeah. George Pickens is in a black non-contact jersey. Big, big, big if he doesn't play. Uh, Lewis Seen probably going to play, but he's not doing very well. He's one of their starting safeties. Tyreek Stevenson probably playing. Quay Walker is in a non-contact jersey, and if he doesn't play, their linebacking situation is terrible. Um well, Jordan Jordan Davis is listed as day to day, but he is not going to play. 
By the way, Buddy Martin is in a non-contact jersey. I'm about ready to crash. So I'm going to say good night to you, Francis. Have a good night. We'll maybe give me a chat on Saturday during halftime, whatever. We'll compare notes. I've got it picked. I picked it 38-27, Florida. I like it 31-20, Florida. Well, we both got 11 points. Maybe that's something, huh? I think Florida's going to do very, very well this ball game. Uh, I think I, I think Georgia, Georgia's got to have – for Georgia to win this ball game, Stetson Bennett has to play the game of his life, and I don't know that he's got the game of his life in him. I'm about to play the game of my life and get in the rack, Francis. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks very much. Good job, buddy. Just miss Joni. Good night. All right, my man. Thank you very much. Franz Beard, the Iron Duke, always good. Florida, Georgia week, especially the time we like. It's always fun to have um, to get to that point. I want to say uh, thank you very much to all of our guests. Mr. College Football tonight, appreciate that. Um, and also uh, Ainsley Lee and, of course, the Iron Duke. And don't forget, tomorrow is podcast day. We've got a really good lineup of people. You're going to enjoy them. You know, George Urban's podcast, and you'll hear from some other folks, uh, mostly on Florida, Georgia, if you're interested. You have a good night. Thanks to our sponsors. That would be Renstar Medical Research and, of course, Jeffrey Mellon of Mellon Law. Good night, everybody. <laughs>